I'm a covenant man Living in the riches of my Lord and King I'm a covenant man Committed to Him in everything I do believe He'll come again And I know one thing I'm gonna do till then Is learn to live in the blessing of Abraham everybody and welcome to the Covenant Living Broadcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Praise God. I'm David Weeder. This is my wife Lynn Weeder and we are continuing the war on fear. Praise God. Let's have a word. Wait a minute now. Hold it now. You may have to hit pause. Have you got your cup of tea or your cup of coffee or whatever it is that you like to drink? Because you know you know the routine. You're just going to pull up a chair and join us at the table. I mean come on. We've got the Bible study going on here. Get your Bible. Get your notebook. Get your favorite, you know, coffee, tea, whatever. And uh, if you need to, if you need to hit pause and then go do all that and then come back and hit play, you can do that too. But uh, we're going to get into the word right after a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this another opportunity to preach and teach your word. We come humbly before your word, and yet at the same time so eager and so expectant, because we know that the Holy Spirit will unveil and unwrap revelation insights and concepts into these principles of the word to unwrap the deception that Satan has perpetuated around the world where fear is concerned. We are so thankful that you have directed us to teach and preach on these things. We're so honored and we're asking you to get these broadcasts, these teachings, these audio podcasts, these recordings into the hands of every person that it is your will and your desire and your purpose to be delivered and set free from the bondage and spirit of fear in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, 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 amen. amen. Praise Mm. God. Well, we are going to be speaking about the fact that fear is an enemy. You know, years and years ago, Brother Kenneth Copeland wrote a book called The Troublemaker. And in the beginning, the introduction of that book, He was recalling a time many years ago that he was in Mexico and he had the opportunity to watch a bullfight. And as he was watching this bullfight, he thought to himself, that poor bull (laughs) thinks that the enemy is that red cape, when in reality the enemy is the matador. Mm -hmm. And the matador is deceiving the bull with the red cape and then he sneaks in here and kills him. And he said, you know, if that matter, if, if that bull ever figures out who his real enemy is, that matador's had it. Well, bless God, same thing's true here. Because once you find out who and what the enemy actually is, you can send their saddle home, buddy. They're done in your life. And that's the objective and the goals for these teachings, praise God. We are not, well, I'm going to tell you what. Let's just look over here at 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 2. In verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. Lynn's going to read that while I get ready for the next verse. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. 
So right there, we know, I mean, he just told us with no uncertain terms that we are not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. And in Revelation chapter 12 and verse mm. 9, we see one of the devices. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. That's one of his devices, deception. He wants anything other than for you to know what the real enemy actually is. As a matter of fact, if he can do it, he would like to get you to embrace the enemy. Just bring it right into your own living room, into your, into your own lives. And that's what he's done with fear. He's actually convinced a huge portion of the earth, and sad to say, many, many Christians... That, you know, a little fear is a good thing, you know. Well, yeah, it'll keep you safe. It'll keep your children safe. It'll, you know, it'll let you, you know, walk in wisdom and things. No, 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 no. The Bible says, well, the exact phrase, fear not, is used approximately 60 times in the Bible. But if you expand that to fear not, be not afraid, you know, all those things, be not terrified, you've, you're talking about over 360 times in the Bible. Every time an angel showed up throughout, <laughs> fear, not. fear not, you know, as a matter of fact, let's just, we're in Revelation, just back up to Revelation chapter one, Revelation chapter one, and um, let's see, <laughs> well, let's see, where was it, Ta -da. this was not planned, hold on, just one moment. <laughs> Well, where'd it go? Stand by, please. Mm -hmm. I am looking. Yeah, that's what I thought. 117. Mm -hmm. Revelation, chapter and 1. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Yeah. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. So... You know, even the old, uh, when I say you're not supposed to be afraid of anything, you know, somebody <laughs> always says, well, we're supposed to fear the Lord. Okay, yes, <laughs> but in, in, in just about every instance, the specific word is, means great awe and reverence. Now, here we, need, we see an example where it looks to me like John actually crossed over from, from, <laughs> from awe and reverence. Yeah, he was as dead. I mean, he just done, he got scared, mm. okay? <laughs> and so what did the Lord say? Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, okay? Don't fear, fear not. All right, so, but we're looking into the deception of Satan because he wants you to be afraid. He wants fear operating in your life. And we're going to we're going to unwrap why that is today. So go go with us over to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're just in in uh, for the interest of time and everything, we're going to look at one verse. I'm I'm going to do my very best to uh, limit it to one verse. <laughs> John John chapter 10 and verse 10. All right. 
This is the great dividing line or one of the great dividing lines of the Bible. You must understand this to understand life in this earth. You must. And the master himself said it. It is written in red. Okay, here we go. John 10, 10, the thief, that would be Satan, comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, that would be Jesus, am come that they might have life and they might, and that they might have it more abundantly. Glory to God. Now there's the dividing line. If there is anything that takes place in your life that has anything to do with stealing something, killing something, or destroying something, Satan's behind it. If anything in your life takes place that brings happiness and joy and life and life more abundantly, then you can rest assured, my brother, sister, that Jesus, our Lord, is behind it. Glory to God. Don't ever, 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 ever question that again. Don't fall for the deception of religious tradition that says stupid, ignorant, devilish <clears throat> things like when some little baby dies and goes to heaven that, you know, God just needed another little angel. Spew that out of your mouth. That's straight from the pit of hell. That's not true. That, was, that involves stealing and killing and could possibly, if he can manage it, destroy the family. That's not from God. That's not from our Jesus. Okay? Settle things like that. That, that <laughs> one dividing line will settle so many things and so many questions in your life. Well, it's one of those things where I have a very good and kind and loving father. And if somebody said that about my father, oh, he killed that little baby. No, he didn't. If I can say that about my earthly father, my heavenly father is so much better than that. It's one of the things, our two children that we had the privilege of raising from birth, one of them is lying on line on line. Read this scripture. Yep, that's it. The other one is relationship. Mm. And thankfully, God let me know that when they were really young. And for her, she knows the character of God. And so when somebody says something like that of, oh, God made that person sick. Oh, God killed that person. Or God made this person poor so that they would learn humility. Mm -hmm. She says, no, it's not that way. And there have been times that she's come to me and said, okay, I know that's not God. Where's the scripture for it? Exactly, yeah. And now... She doesn't have to come to me to ask about it. She really does know how to look it up herself. But she will hear something and go, that doesn't sound like him. If somebody told me something about David, same thing. If they said this and I was like, that doesn't sound like him. There was a misunderstanding someplace. And that's what so much of it is, is deception and misunderstanding that Satan is sowing to get us separated from the father, from his love. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Now, let's look. Now that we've got the dividing line in place, we know what Satan does. And it says that's, he does 
that's all he does. Mm -hmm. He comes but for two. That's all he does. It steal, kill, destroy. Okay. So we got Jesus. We got Satan. We got life and life more abundantly. We got stealing, killing, and destroying. But how do what they come to do, how does that become manifested in our day-to-day -day mm. lives? Well, let's start off with Jesus. And all you have to do is just back up a few chapters to John chapter 3. Okay, now remember, what does he come to give? Life. All right, so let's look at John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. So what does it take? Believing. Faith. That's what believing means, faith. You've got to have faith to enable Jesus to manifest that life and life more abundantly in your life. So now we see that. Now we know there's a reciprocal involved. The reciprocal is fear. And as we've said in the past, one of the clearest examples of this is Job. So I want to go back to Job chapter 3, and we're going to look at it from this angle this time what does it take for Satan to be able to manifest stealing, killing, and destroying? And there's some fascinating things here in Job that we're going to see. We're going to spend a little bit of time in Job today. So, But first, we're going to start in chapter 3, and we're going to see what it takes to bring it to pass, and then we'll go back and walk through the process. So in Job chapter 3, and let's start in verse 24. For my sighing comes before I eat. <laughs> Okay, so he gets up That's in the morning. Pretty. I mean, even before he's got time to eat breakfast, he's worrying about this, okay? And my roarings are poured out like the waters. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Now, I want to look at this again in the mm -hmm. Amplified because it really... Uh, amplifies it. <laughs> so, it, verse 25 in the Amplified Classic version, for the thing which I greatly fear comes upon me, and that which I am afraid befalls me. I was not and am not at ease, nor had I or have I rest, nor was I or am I quiet, Yet trouble came, and it still nope. comes. Mm, 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 mm. That is what is needed to bring about stealing, killing, and destruction. Fear. Let's go back and look at it. So go back mm. a couple chapters. We'll find out what he was afraid of. Switch back to the King James for this. Yeah. So... Let's look down here in verse 5. And it was so that when the days of their feasting, this is talking about uh, Job's children, days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. So he was afraid that his, his sons were going to curse God 
And he put corresponding action with that fear by making these sacrifices continually. Okay, so now you've got all the ingredients for success if you're talking about faith and all the ingredients for disaster if you're talking about fear. Okay, so let's see. Now, now, Job, now notice the deception. Mm. Don't, don't, don't let that get away from you. The deception is Job thinks he's doing what every responsible parent should do, worry mm-hmm. over his kids. Yeah, because in chapter 3 that we looked at, he said, I did all of this and yet trouble came. Mm-hmm. He was confused. He was, why did this happen? Because I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah, he was completely convinced that if he worried and, and did all this stuff over Offered his children. sacrifices. Yeah, absolutely. Did good things based on fear. fear. Yeah. And so he put corresponding action with the fear instead of corresponding action with the faith. And so let's see, he thinks he's doing what he's supposed to do. Let's see what it actually does. So we're going to stay in chapter one and we're going to go on down here. And let's look beginning in, well, just beginning in verse six, the next verse, the very next verse. This is what it actually does. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves and the uh, sons of God, actually the angels of God in this, came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said to Satan, where'd you come from? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's what that, whence comest thou? Where'd you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? Now, that's a little bit blind to us. Um, I have a cross reference in my King James uh, uh, Version Bible that, that the, the Hebrew actually says, have you set your heart upon? In other words, he says, where'd you come from? Satan tells him, he said, have you set your heart on my servant Job? Now that's a whole different issue than what most traditional readings have said where they make it sound like God said, well, I'll tell you what, come over here. I know you hadn't seen him yet. <laughs> and uh, let me point out Job because, uh, you know, he's upright and everything, but he really, he, he, I want you to just take him down a few, uh, a few pegs. That's what religion, tra- religious tradition has tried or to test tell us. him. Let's see yeah. how good of a person he really is. Yeah. Where, where if you actually just dig into it a little bit, it's just as plain as day. I mean, he, you know, Satan comes in and he's, where'd you come from? And then he says, have you set your heart on my servant, Job? He's upright. That's the attitude that you're talking about. Now, uh, I mean, in any, you know, the Lord goes in and tells me he's a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and that you Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear you for nothing? He's a slight paraphrasing here, but it's, it's right. All you can do is read. It's right here. Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But f- and this was in the old covenant. This wasn't even part of the Abrahamic covenant. No, uh-uh. no. And this, this was- certainly wasn't in the new covenant. This was somebody who found a way to believe God and yeah. know that he's good and blessed him. Well, and you, you look back at the beginning of the chapter, and he's the richest man in all the East, <laughs> and the Lord and him done good. So, uh, but now Satan tells him, he says, now put your, put your hand on him now and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all right, don't get mm-hmm. caught up on that. He just look. he's like, look, he, look, okay. 
all that he has is in your, now the King James says power. That's another, the cross reference, the middle reference there actually says hand, okay? Put all that he has is in your hand, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of God. Now, Job thought, that this fear and this worry and this anxiety and these making constant sacrifices over his kids was being responsible and what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. What it really did was put everything he had in Satan's hand. It brought down that hedge that Satan was aware of. He knew that Job was surrounded by this hedge, this wall, this fortress of protection. But because of his fear, because of his worry, because of his continual offering of fear-filled sacrifices, it brought that protection down where it was in his hand. It was where he could steal and kill and destroy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, remember, what does Satan do. We just saw it. Mm. the end of verse 12. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. So now we know who's doing all these horrific things that are about to happen mm-hmm. to Job. It was Satan. Right. Okay. Now, what does Satan do? Satan comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, I want you to look at something very closely. Look at the very next verse, verse 13. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. There's the stealing. First thing he did, steal them. There's the stealing. Took them away. They have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. There's the killing. Stealing killing. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, the fire of God has fallen from the heaven and has burned up the sheep. There's the destroying. Stole the oxen, killed the servants, destroyed the sheep, stealing, killing, and destroying. What Job thought was good actually put everything in his hands in Satan's hands, and Satan did what Satan does, steals, kills, and destroys. Faith lays hold of the blessing and life, and life more abundantly, and brings it into manifestation of those that exercise faith. Fear lays hold of the curse and destruction, and stealing, killing, and destroying, and brings it into manifestation in the lives of those that have fear operating in their lives. Even if Satan's been able to raise the wave the red cape mm-hmm. over here and make them think they're doing something right, you've got to get this. You must understand that fear is an enemy, and we've got to treat it exactly like the enemy it is and drive it out of our lives. Glory to God. So, stealing, killing, and destroying is the hallmark of Satan. 
So let's track that down. If there's something in your life, because you've got to understand, now listen to me carefully on this. God can do nothing for you apart from faith because faith brings the blessing to pass. Satan can do nothing to you apart from fear. Fear is the faith that brings the disasters and the catastrophes to pass. So if there's something taking place in your life that's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's time to become a bug hunter and hunt for that enemy, fear, and find out where it is. You know, some people take a bull rider, for example. They get on that big old ton <laughs> worth of animal, and it, it just don't make no sense because they, they poke that bull in all the wrong spots to make it really mad and then turn it loose to let it try to kill this guy that's on its back. But uh, <clears throat> he's not scared of that at all. But yet he can get off that bull, go get in his truck to go to the next rodeo and be just absolutely terrified that his wife's going to leave him, that he's spending all his money, he's going broke. And, you know, fear's there and it produces disasters. Okay, the dividing line, Jesus is life and life more abundantly, Satan, stealing, killing, and destroying. Faith brings what Jesus has given us to pass. Fear brings stealing, killing, and destroying to pass. That's all we've got time for this week. We're going to go into more next week, of course. But don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere because you need to watch this. The Diamond in Your Household of Faith is a must-read for every man and woman, married or planning to be married. Dr. David Weider writes in great detail to help you understand the worth and value of one of God's greatest gifts. He takes complex biblical truths and makes them easy to understand for every reader. You'll learn not only how valuable, but also how strong the virtuous, prudent, and good wife is in the sight of God. It elevates the woman to a place of honor that her Heavenly Father intended. David Weider breaks through incorrect religious doctrine by allowing the Bible to interpret the Bible and bringing context to scripture references often void of it. It is only through this truth that we can truly be powerful and effective in our prayers and entire lives. Find out the secret to a healthy, amazing marriage in the diamond in your household of faith. Order your copy today at davidweeder.org. Now, remember what I said about that rodeo cowboy. He has no fear on top of that massive animal that would like nothing more than just stomp him into the ground. But he gets in the truck. He's driving the next road. He's worried the whole way about his, his wife leaving him. His marriage is in shambles. She don't understand a rodeo man. He don't <laughs> understand her. <laughs> Look, there's resources. There's things in the word of God. Jesus came to bring life to the marriage. Life to you, life to the marriage, life to your, your spouse. And it's all in the manual. This, look here. You know, I've heard so many times, oh, I wish life came with a user's manual. Here it is, right here. Life's user's manual, written by someone that knows it all because he's the manufacturer of the life. Glory to God. You need to, you need to take advantage of that and, and uh, get online. Go to the website and order that book today, praise God. Well, that's about it for this week. 
Hey, we'll see you next week though, right? I know we will. Hey, between now and then though, don't forget, God loves you. He is always, always for you. Never, ever against you. Lynn and I love you. And don't also, don't ever, ever forget that Jesus is Lord. For more information about our ministry, contact us at davidweeder.org or call us at 1-800-988-5380.